1: or troubled childhood. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Well, I have a very interesting, but of course tragic story to tell you about today. Uh, It is the story of a Muslim Canadian family, originally from Pakistan 14 years ago, Uh, who were mowed down by a man named Nathaniel Veltman. Mowed down in the street uh, in the evening, around eight o'clock in the evening, just taking their typical family walk. They used to go on walks in the evening. Um, Four of them, a father, a mother, a grandmother, and a daughter. And unlike the stereotype of Muslims in movies where they are portrayed as uh, violent or the victims of violence or some kind of negative sort of way. Uh, this family was beloved, accomplished, and um it, it just makes it, you know, of course, when anybody is killed, whether um wait a second. Um Rosie Motive for Muslim family murders terrorism or troubled childhood Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist show I'm Dr Carol a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist I have a very interesting and very tragic story to tell you about today. It's about a Muslim family who came to Canada from Pakistan 14 years ago. They were well-loved and they were learned. As compared to the Canadian family that the killer came from, his name was Nathaniel Veltman and their family was broken and bred a killer. So it's a tale of two families. The um, family who was mowed down consisted of a father, a mother, a grandmother, and a daughter. Those were the ones who were mowed down and killed. And it also consisted of a nine-year-old son who is fighting for his life in a Canadian hospital. So... This um, family who was mowed down at around eight o'clock at night, walking across the street by mowed down by a pickup truck, um, they were uh, very loved and very exceptional, very unlike the stereotype of Muslims in most movies they um the police are saying that the pickup driver who mowed them down targeted them because of their faith now this is what some of the friends of the family have said this entire family is a very well-known family known to be extremely sweet extremely hospitable very active in the muslim community here in london this occurred in london ontario canada Uh, The principal of the London Islamic School, where two of the victims, the daughter and the son, attended, said 100% they were smiling. They always had great, kind, positive words to share. Um, This city, uh, London, Ontario, is near Toronto, just to place them a little better. Um, So the driver struck them at an intersection as they were out for their evening walk. Let me tell you a little bit about each of the family members. The father was named Salman Afzal. He's described as a gentle soul who smiled when he greeted others and loved being outdoors. Um, He was 46 years old. He was a physiotherapist. He enjoyed cricket and attending regular prayers at the London Muslim mosque. He worked at the Ritz Lutheran Villa nursing home. And um, he was very appreciated, very loved by all the people there. The mother was Madiha Salman. She was 44. She was working on her PhD in engineering at London's Western University. Um, she received her undergraduate degree in engineering in Pakistan, where she was one of only two women in her class. And recently, uh, before she was killed, uh, she organized a STEM event for young kids, that's science, technology, engineering, and math. The daughter, Yumna Salman, was a ninth grade honor roll student at Oak Ridge Secondary School. She's described as extremely sweet, outgoing and and supportive. Um, She did a last summer when she was a student at the London Islamic School, she painted a large mural that she worked on each weekday despite the pandemic. It's a um, mural of uh, the earth and above the earth is a star. And um, the words next to it are, uh, shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you land among the stars. So here she was, you know, despite the pandemic, drawing this, painting this mural on her school wall, you know, that gives you some insight into her uh, character. Then the paternal grandmother who was also killed was Talat Afsal. And um, she was the matriarch of the family. She was 74 years old. She was the mother of the father of the family. Um, She said, uh, the imam of the London Muslim mosque said of the whole family, what's exemplary about them is they were very humble people while extremely accomplished. They will never try to elevate themselves above anybody or try to feel or make someone else feel lower. And then the son, nine years old, the only survivor, is hospitalized with serious injuries. And there has been a GoFundMe page uh, set up for him and uh, lots of people have donated. And um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke at the vigil for the family. Now, the um, alleged murderer... (laughs) um, who basically confessed to the murder, uh, he is facing four counts of first-degree murder and one count of attempted murder. And the police are saying that um, Beltman didn't know the victims, but they're saying that the attack was planned. Now, they're not really releasing um, a lot of information about the uh, murderer yet. But now one thing that's interesting in regard to terrorism is that some of the politicians, including um, Prime Minister Trudeau, are saying that uh, this is terrorism. They want, to, uh, they want the police and the prosecutors to charge the uh, alleged murderer with terrorism, not just murder. But um, there, it, there, this is a controversial issue right now in Canada. Um, because they are saying whether the London attack was terrorism isn't for politicians to decide. Now, usually in Canada, unlike what recently happened in America with the George Floyd murder, when politicians did come forth and talk about it being murder and, you know, um, really trying to influence the jury who was not sequestered, but in Canada, the politicians don't usually come out and say what the uh, person should be accused of. And so um, this is a pressuring the police to put this charge and the prosecutors to put the charge of terrorism, add that charge, as well as the murder charges. Um but this is, you know, as I said, controversial because uh, people in Canada feel, a lot of people feel, that it shouldn't be the politicians who decide what charges should be put on the, um, on the alleged murderer or, you know, the person who committed the crime. Um, they, the police are saying that they have evidence that this was a hate crime, meaning that innocent victims were targeted because they were Muslims and because of their Islamic faith. Um, now, to prove it, however, to prove the terrorism charge, this is a, a quote of what they would have to prove. In whole or in part, uh, they would have to prove that the accused, the, you know, the alleged murderer, was motivated, quote, in whole or in part for a political, religious, or ideological purpose, objective or cause, with the intention of intimidating the public with regard to its security, including its economic security, or compelling a person, a government, or a domestic or international organization to do or to refrain from doing any act. So, in other words, um, with terrorism, it's always in, it always has to involve a political, religious, or ideological purpose, not just you know murder or whatever the act is. Um, now, if you may remember, the twenty seventeen attack on a Quebec City mosque, where a lone gunman was convicted of six charges of first degree murder but they did not accuse him of terrorism. Um, Now, in this case, the current case, the police believe that the accused acted alone. He did not know the victims. He has no criminal record. He was previously unknown to city police, and he has no known association with hate groups. Um, However, you know, this isn't to say that terrorism... Charges might not be laid if they're appropriate, but it's due to it's up to the police and the prosecutors, not politicians, to decide whether it's appropriate. Now, uh, in 2016, and I'm going to get into this uh, next. In 2016, the accused had mental and anger management issues and he was in therapy and taking medication. So, yes, that is where the troubled childhood part comes in. Um, his father, um, well, let me, let me actually stop now because now what I'm going to be talking about, uh, is the, I'm going to be putting the accused, uh, alleged murderer. I, you know, it's hard to say, I know I'm supposed to say alleged, we're all supposed to say alleged murderer, or the accused, you know, because he hasn't been found guilty by a court. However, he did, after he committed this crime, he did pull over and tell a taxi driver who was in the area that that he just killed somebody. So I don't know, I'm going to call him a murderer. (laughs) Call me a bad person, but, you know, until I don't think really that there is that much question Uh, about it it's up to you to decide not only what you know whether it's okay to call him a murderer but um whether it was uh again the title of this is motive for muslim family murders terrorism or troubled childhood so in this next uh segment i'm going to be telling you all kinds of things about this murderer (laughs) and um And you can decide what in his background um, was driving him, motivating him to kill. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
0: You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror, Now back to the terrorist therapist show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol.
1: Welcome back to the terrorist therapist show, where we're talking today about motive for Muslim family murders: terrorism or troubled childhood. you are beginning to get a glimpse into the troubled childhood of Nathaniel Veltman, who um, mowed down. A lovely Muslim family um, taking an evening walk, minding their own business um, in Canada, and um, you know he he's been arrested, and he is now you know this is all going to be determined whether um, what was the motivation and um, whether it was a hate crime, whether it was terrorism. Whether it was Islamophobia or whether it was uh, a troubled childhood. So I'm telling you different um, fragments that we know about Nathaniel in regard to his mind, I'm putting him on my couch, and letting you decide in the end what you think was his primary motive. So I was um, when we ended the last segment, I was telling you about what was found in some of the documents filed in the courthouse related to his parents' divorce and custody battle, and it what is it's what was is called a high conflict divorce and custody battle, very aggressive um, between his parents. And um, you know, this is very typical of people who end up being either mass murderer, or shooting people or murdering people in one way or another. Um, that you know, a lot of times things start, the seeds for this are begun from scars of divorce, especially when it's a high conflict divorce, when the parents are fighting each other for custody, um, demeaning each other, uh, you know, telling the child, uh, how horrible the other parent is and so on, which is why, by the way, when people get divorced, they really need to put their children into therapy to prevent, um, not just, not necessarily that all children who are divorced are going to be hum mass murderers, but certainly there are scars left on them. All right. So getting back to Nathaniel and his mind, uh, So let's see. Um, So during this, uh, during his parents' separation and, and divorce and custody battle, it is said that he developed a, quote, great deal of animosity, unquote, towards his mother, according to these documents. And she described her son as, quote, combative and argumentative. She said in these court papers, he will follow me around the house. I have to lock myself in the bedroom. She said this in affidavit in 2016. Nathan has been very aggressive and angry with me. And each time that he spends with his father brings on more hostility. This is very typical, you know, that one parent blames the other parent for the behavior of the child when they're separated and then divorced. So, um, his father wrote in his affidavit that there were anger issues between the then 15-year-old Nathaniel and his mother. Um, he said that it was this was because she was preventing him from contacting the father during the separation when she had full custody of all the children. Um, the father said, quote, unfortunately, Nathaniel's frustrations with his mother have become so significant that Nathaniel has retained his own lawyer and has voluntarily removed himself from her parental control. That this happened after, obviously, after the divorce and custody battle. As of this date, I understand that Nathaniel is living with friends. Um, now in the mother's affidavit, getting back to her, the affidavit David that she filed in December, 2016, she said, that the separation and comments made to Nathaniel by his father have caused animosity between her and her eldest son. She said, quote, Nathan recently stated to me that I should no longer homeschool his siblings so I can get a job and support myself and stop using his dad's money. These type of comments um, come from Nathan Daly and are clearly not something he would come up with on his own, she wrote. Um, then when he was 15 years old, he began saying he wanted to move out. Uh, now, by the way, he was homeschooled up through high school. Um, let's see. So according to the court records, he quote, withdrew from parental control, unquote, on January 26, 2017, a month after he turned 16. So in Canada, apparently you can do that uh, when you're 16. So it was said in a letter from his lawyer. Um, He was attending public high school at the time. So up until high school, she had homeschooled him. Uh, His mother was a stay-at-home parent. His father worked at the Lambden College of Applied Arts and Technology. According to documents that his parents filed in August, 2018, Nathan was diagnosed with depression and obsessive compulsive disorder and was prescribed an antidepressant and was attending counseling. Now it's not clear that he was continuing to attend counseling and it seems rather unlikely, or if he was clearly his counselor (laughs) did not know what they were doing. Um, Now in the, again, in the documents from the divorce and custody, Or this was in in regard to the separation. Uh, It said, Nathaniel will not be unsupervised with any of the children and was not to use his phone in inappropriate ways or to speak negatively to the other children about their mother. Now, it's kind of interesting because um, if the mother was granted custody of all of the children, how did she keep him away from the other children? Anyhow, um, I mean, I surely when he when he left the home, I guess that was less of a problem. Anyhow, both parents were directed by the court to, quote, use their best efforts to encourage Nate to pursue therapy, use their best efforts. Excuse me. (laughs) There was enough evidence that he had a violent propensity for violence, that he they didn't want him to be next to the near the younger siblings, and they should just use their best efforts to encourage him to pursue therapy. I mean, I guess presumably that was after he uh, left the home and was on his own. But you know, something stronger obviously should have been done to make sure that he pursued therapy, not just to encourage him when he wasn't even living with them after he got emancipated. Um, the children were raised Christian and the father's 2015 tax records showed that he made many charity donations to various Christian groups. Um, let's see what other little remnants, um, can I tell you about, uh, oh, he was once described by a psychologist as being prone to anger. Now, why didn't this psychologist... Doesn't say when this was that this psychologist said this, but clearly, you know, this is what happens. This is what happens when people end up doing mass shootings um, or killings of one type or another, mowings of Muslims, any kind of uh, mass expression of rage. Um, there There were signs ahead of time. You know, and these people fell between the cracks and that is just so that has to stop. It's the fault of the parents. It's the fault of any mental health professionals that the person did come in contact with. It's these things need to stop. So let's see. um, He Nathan and his twin sister, are the eldest of six siblings that ranged in age from 10 to 20. He was he and his twin sister were 20. Uh, his mother, there are st- some statements say that she was uh, just a homemaker, that she stayed at home because she was, you know, um, doing homeschooling and so on. But there were also reports that it, she is thought to work as a personal trainer. Um, he, When he left his mother's home, he went to live with a girlfriend before finding his own apartment nearby. And he was living in downtown London, Ontario in an apartment building about 1.3 miles from where the incident occurred, where he mowed down the Muslim family. And he had been living in the city in this apartment for about six months. Um, Police say that there's evidence that this was a planned premeditated act and that the family was targeted because of their Muslim faith. Now, you know, I don't know what information they haven't revealed what information they have to make them say that, but was it that, or was it because he was um, a troubled, had a troubled childhood had rage anger issues. Um, and um, he, was he jealous of this family, you know, who presumably he didn't know, but that, you know, this was a, um, a, two parents, a grandmother and a daughter perhaps he saw the daughter as his twin um, and the parents as his parents and the grandmother as the great grandmother that who died, you know, perhaps unconsciously at least he was killing them because he was angry at his own family and upset about the loss of his great grandmother. Now, one thing that does speak to his having some, you know, if not terrorist, then, uh, um, I guess, kind of uh, hate crime sorts of roots. When he was arrested, you know, right after the incident, he was wearing body armor and swastikas. So that, that does not um, speak very well of him. Uh, just a few other strands of information. Um, let's see. Um, When he was arrested, let me just add, when he was arrested, he was wearing a bulletproof vest, a military style helmet, clothing that had swastikas on it. And as I said, he laughed when he was being arrested. Now, um, the bulletproof vest and the military style helmet, you know, that does um, seem to indicate that he was planning on doing some kind of violent act. And anticipated that he was going to be shot at by police. Um, Let's see. I think. uh, Yeah, just you know, one. I just want to emphasize this other aspect about the neighbors uh, in his downtown apartment. Described him as an introverted man who had a knack for playing loud video games. Not a knack, a a pinch, uh, you know, um, he was uh, sort of addicted to playing loud video games and that created conflicts in their apartment building because of his loud noises. (laughs) Um, That is pretty much it. Isolated, estranged, angry. Those are some of the words that have been used to describe him. And um, now... It is left to be seen when he is up for trial and what, um, what, the, what the conclusions are going to be. In the meantime, you can draw your own conclusions. <coughs> was, uh, what was motivating Nathaniel Veltman? Was it Islamophobia, hate, terrorism, or was it a troubled childhood with scars of divorce grief over his great-grandmother dying, the violent video games, anger issues, mental illness, drugs, or watching movies that portray Muslims in a very negative light, or a combination of all of those things that I just mentioned, um, you know, that made him uh, Sikh, made him attack, made, made these Muslim, this Muslim family, you know, of whom he was probably jealous. Again, he didn't know them, but just the way they were walking down the street, clearly, you know, taking an evening walk. It certainly presented a picture of a loving family. And was he jealous of them? In any case, it's a tragedy. They are dead. And he is in jail and it could have been prevented if he would have gotten psychiatric treatment soon enough, long enough by a psychiatrist who knew what they were doing. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient,
0: We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights. Now back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll.
1: Welcome back to the terrorist therapist show where we're talking today about motive for Muslim family murders, terrorism or troubled childhood. Now, um, I'm going to be talking to you in this, uh, in the next two segments, I'm going to be putting the murderer, Nathaniel Veltman on my couch and talking about um, his psyche And um, you can uh, join in and try to figure out his motive, what was going on in his head. Now, of course, the question is, was it Islamophobia, a hate crime or terrorism on the one hand, or troubled childhood, which included scars of divorce, his parents' divorce, grief over his great-grandmother's death, which actually just happened a few days before the murders, violent video games, anger issues, mental illness, drugs, or movies about Muslims where they were portrayed in a very negative light. Now, this is going to be, I'm um, just going to be giving snippets of things that are going on in his mind, were going on in his mind when he mowed down this Muslim family, because there is not very much actually written about him yet, Um, the police are keeping things pretty quiet, but they did, uh, the media did interview lots of people who knew him and the picture that emerges is not really one of an Islamophobe or a terrorist. So let me tell you about what some of his friends said um, what is particularly, oh, before I get into that, actually, let me tell you about what uh, a taxi driver witnessed um, when Nathaniel Veltman was arrested. He, uh, Nathaniel pulled up behind a taxi at the Cherry Hill Village Mall, and he told the taxi driver that he'd just killed someone. Now, the taxi driver was just standing there on a break, and he noticed this bloodied vehicle pulling up behind him. And he was so distraught that he has not been able to speak to the media um, or, or anyone publicly except the president of his taxi company, the Yellow Taxi London president. And this president has been talking to the media, repeating what the taxi driver has said. So the, t- the taxi driver told the president of the company that the truck, uh, Nathaniel's truck, pickup truck, was damaged with blood and on the front end. And um, he said that when he got out of the vehicle, when Nathaniel got out of the vehicle, he was laughing. Now, that could mean a number of things. It could mean mental illness. It could mean drugs. Uh, it could mean that he was a terrorist and he was really just happy that he had killed some Muslims. Um, so they went to the one of the the place where where Nathaniel worked, which was um, an egg packing facility. He worked there part time because he was also going to college. And he, they spoke to a uh, Middle Eastern friend, and you know, if uh, certainly if there was any hint that Nathaniel was a terrorist <clears throat> or that this was a Muslim hate crime, you wouldn't expect this friend from the Middle East. To be as um, to say the things that he did, which I'll tell you now. Uh, he insisted that Nathaniel wasn't an, an Islamophobe. Um, he has no ties to hate groups that this friend knew of. He said, "Quote: Nate is not a radical terrorist. He is nothing like that. He is not an Islamophobe. That's not who this kid is." Uh, he went on to say that he never heard him say a bad thing about the Middle East or Muslims. Nate was a very close friend and never said anything bad to me. Another friend told the media that uh, Nathaniel, quote, never said anything hateful about any groups. He's Christian and has a great relationship with God. He was always pretty calm towards other people. Then one of these friends also said that three days before the attack, Um, Nathaniel was having trouble with his new trucks steering. I actually drove with him on Thursday, this friend said. Um, And then on Friday, Nathaniel asked him to work for him because a family member had died. So the free press um, in uh, Canada uh, did some research and they found an obituary from a funeral home that confirmed the death uh, a few days before, of a 101-year-old woman who had several descendants named Veltman. And in fact, in the obituary, it says that a Nathaniel Veltman, the murderer, was one of 21 great-grandchildren. Uh, the friend said, quote, he seemed broken up over it on Friday. That's the last time I saw him. So, okay. Um you know that's really interesting that uh, to have friends, especially a mef- especially a Middle Eastern friend, to say those things that's pretty um, powerful. Now, his father, on the other hand, uh, his father said, "It was with utmost shock and horror that I came to hear of the unspeakable crime committed last weekend." There are no words adequate to properly express my deep sorrow for the victims of this senseless act. Now, um, you know, why I said I, it just really always bothers me, as you may know, if you've been listening uh, to some of my previous podcasts or in general, I talk about this, Um how when the parents uh, are so shocked, you know, that my child could do such a thing, when in fact, um, certainly it was at least in part, if not in whole, that um, the child, um, you know, this Nathaniel is 20, uh, but he's still their child, and um, that he did such a thing, because clearly, the parents are the ones who um, influence are the biggest influence on uh, the child, you know, because during their youth, so it should not be such a shock. And the fact that it was such a shock means that they were not, uh, they were not keeping in close contact with him to know what was going on in his mind. Um, so when he, when he um, getting back to the taxi driver for a minute, um, he had told his president who then said to the media that when Nathaniel was dragged from his truck by police, he was chanting, but his words were not clear. And he yelled at the taxi driver to film the arrest quote, he was enjoying the scene like it was important for him to be recorded. So um, he worked, as I said, he worked part-time at an egg pl- packing plant Uh, And we have what those, his co-workers have said, and now neighbors have said that he could often be heard playing video games at high volume late at night. Now, um, you know, clearly it is most likely that these violent, that these video games were violent and not (laughs) Pac-Man. Okay. Now we have some more uh, tidbits about him. Uh, The Toronto Star um, looked up, did some research on their own, and they found um, documents filed in a London, um, Ontario courthouse and notably divorce documents that described him um, as, and the divorce, these documents were um, filed between 2016 and 2018, that was it was around 2016 that the the divorce was begun between his parents and uh, the divorce documents describe him nathaniel as angry and combative years before the attack again why didn't apparently he did get some therapy but obviously not enough so um documents filed in the courthouse between 2016 and 2018 Describe him as being the eldest son of six kids from an Ontario family. Uh, The divorce was between his parents, Mark and Alicia Veltman. And included in these documents was an order forbidding Nathaniel from spending unsupervised time with his brothers and sisters. Now, what that means, I have done countless, um, been an expert witness in countless divorce and custody cases. And when, um, when it's ordered that someone um, not spend unsupervised time, or that, in other words, that they would have to be supervised if they spent time with either a parent or their siblings or whomever, um, that means that they are someone was concerned about uh, the risk of violence. So it seems like during this divorce, um, years before this mowing... <laughs> mowing down the Muslim family, um, they already suspected, had enough suspicions or evidence of his being violent that there was an order that he was forbidden to spend unsupervised time with his brothers and sisters. Now, these would have been younger brothers and sisters. He also had a twin sister uh, and four younger siblings. So you know that that's a very serious. Courts don't do that um, willy-nilly. It's very serious to say that he would have to be supervised if he spent time with his younger siblings. Well, I'll stop here for now, and when we come back, I'm going to be t- taking you deeper into the mind of Nathaniel Veltman, the murderer of this Muslim family in Canada.
0: You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror,